Judy Gold is probably our most famous female doing comedy, stand-up comedy. She's smart. She's in clubs. She's on TV. She does concerts, one-nighters. She's funny. And the New York Times just did a piece on her. Okay, Judy. So my high-class friend, Judy Gold. So tell me, how did you originally start being a funny lady? How did you originally start doing comedy? You know, someone actually uh, dared me to do it in college, and it uh, it was our secret Santa, and um, every <laughs> it was ridiculous. But everyone got a note on their door from their secret Santa uh, with an assignment, and you didn't find out. It, this went on for a week, and you didn't find out who your secret Santa was until the the holiday party, and so my secret Santa. Literally, you know, said you have two days to prepare a, a, a routine using everyone who lives on the floor <laughs> as as material, and I did it. I mean, I was 19 years old, and I got my first laugh, and that was the end. I just thought, oh, you know, it was like an epiphany. Like I, this is I what know, I'm meant I know, to do. I know. I know. Uh, today, today, comedy has changed. I am told, I've, I mean, Caroline at Caroline's Comedy Club was just telling me earlier that there are people now who take your telephone away, your cell phone away when you're working Absolutely. in a club. What does that, what is that? Tell me about that. You know, first of all, thank God people are doing that because what, you know, I think it's sort of a sacred space, a comedy club for comedians where we can we can try out material. I mean, it's the only art form where you see a work in progress. And as George Carlin famously said, it is the duty of the comedian to find the line, cross it, and bring the audience along with you and make them glad that you did. And so what has happened is people, not only the basic, oh, I'm going to look at my phone in the middle of your set, which is so awful to see from a stage, um, but people will take videos and they'll they'll post them without context and destroy people's careers essentially. Um, but the fact that it, you can go to even a Broadway show and and you know not have the ability to turn off your phone for a couple of hours uh, that's an illness to me. I think that's an illness. Also, they can t- take your jokes, can't they? If they if they've li- they they're listening to you, yes, take it, take them out of context. Um, and also, I, I don't know. It, it, the attention span has gotten so small <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, of audience members. It's it's really alarming. Can you do today religious jokes, fat jokes, elderly jokes? What can you do? Anything anymore. I mean, I was married to a comedian for a thousand years. He made fun of everything and we all laughed. But you can't do that any longer. Well, you know, the world has changed. Um, The world is a way different place than it was. We've evolved. Words have different meanings. Uh, The world is smaller, essentially. You can joke about, my theory is you can make a joke about anything as long as it's funny, as as long as it's a well-crafted joke. But gratuitous use of epithets or just making fun of people 
it's not, it isn't funny. Um, you have to be good at the craft. Yeah, but some of them were good at the craft before. Oh, absolutely. And still went I mean, into those ways. Yeah, like I, I think of Don Rickles. Yeah, um, oh, God, yes. Yes, 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 yes. And Don was hilarious. And you think about how audience members would leave who didn't get, who did not get picked on by him or singled out by him, would leave the show feeling like they got cheated. Because his whole, I mean, entire act was based on we're all the same. We all have Michigas. We all have, we're, you know, we're just human beings. Um, I remember him peeing on me. I mean, he peed on everybody. Right. And people loved it. It was a badge of honor, but not anymore. Not anymore. Okay, so you have but, to craft different kinds of humor. Is that correct? Well, you have to be a little more thoughtful. Um, it's, 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 you know, it's also, Cindy, everyone takes everything personally, as if it's all about them. And it's not. No comedian was thinking about your childhood trauma or whatever you're going through <laughs> yes, right yes. now when they were hitting yes. their material. It's just, and if you don't like a joke, and if you don't like a comedian, you have a choice to get up and leave, to change the station, to turn it off, but you don't have to vilify that person or try to silence them because you find something that they're saying not to be not funny. Did anybody ever harass you? I mean, there, you, you just did a piece in the New York Times that I read, which was a very thoughtful piece. Have you ever had anybody stand up and be aggravated by something you've said while you're working? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it happens all the time. There's no fourth wall. And it's part of the, part of the craft, I guess. But, you know, hecklers. It used to be you had security there because of hecklers or people getting drunk or, you know, it used to, our warnings when, before we got on stage, be careful. There's a bachelorette party and they're wasted. You know, now yeah, it's people yeah. with knives. It's, it's gotten out of control. You know, you're vilifying, you're vilifying, you're blaming the wrong people. A comedian gets on stage for one reason, to make you laugh. That's it. And it, it don't like the joke if you don't like sarcasm don't go see a sarcastic comic if you don't like prop acts then don't go see a prop act it's up to you people are not taking responsibility uh amongst themselves and also the other element is the fact that people are taking things uh you know you can take a joke many ways but what's the way the comedian intends it to be the comedian if you take the comedian's intent out of the formula, then there's no comedy because you're just deciding I'm going to be offended because they said that word or talking about this topic instead of, you know, it's a, it's an extension of our First Amendment. We're just trying to make you laugh, and sometimes we miss. Are there today, with, with restaurants closing and people not able to afford and people not able to work, are there enough places for people like you to be working? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because as much as we talk about um, what's going on and how offended people are getting and all that kind of stuff, you know, 
people, the audiences have been amazing because they need to laugh. People need to laugh. People I know, are I know. coming in, yeah. and, and it's, it's a release. It's a, a joke. It's a buildup of tension and then a release. And people, especially now, need to go sit somewhere and just laugh. It, it is, I think it's an important mental health thing. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot. I think comedy's doing great. People are doing stand-up all over the place. I, I, I frequent the Comedy Cellar. There's four rooms going on at once, four comedy shows at once going on there. So, yeah, I think there's there's plenty of places. Judy, in your old days, maybe even today, although you're so good at what you do, did you ever fall on your behind? Did you ever do a lousy show that just stunk and it didn't work? Of course. Of course. <laughs> it's part of the whole process. Uh, you know, it's usually, it's funny because... When the audience comes to you, when you're in your home club uh, and the audience comes to your space, you are at an advantage than when you go to someone else. When someone hires you for a private party or a private function, it, it's always the psychology of that is it's much harder for the comedian who is hired for a small group of people who think, all right, come on, let's go. Yeah, make us laugh, you know, on their turf. That is always yeah. much harder for a comedian. So those shows are much more difficult. Um, but, of course, you just don't know what's going to happen. You, the, you know, you don't know what ha- These people in the audience have – the room could be too cold. They could have gotten in a fight with their spouse on the way there. You just don't know. There's so many factors that are out of your control. So how do you handle a heckler? Do you well, have some jokes? I, do you have some lines that uh, work? I – you know, it used to be where I would engage with them and just shut them down. Um, and it was sort of a game, you know, like, please. Because, you know, we're armed. Comedy is a weapon. You know, we have armor. We And now I just, uh, you know, after doing this for so long, I'm just like, shut up. I mean, like, really? How much attention do you need? Do I go to your job and start screaming at you? You know, while you're adding numbers, no. So shut up. I understand that. I tried it once, thousand years ago. I bombed. I was just lousy. So I have such respect for guys like you who do what you do. It is such talent. Do you steal anything, or do you always write your own stuff, or is there a pro out there who does? Never, never, never. Uh, That is the number one rule. You'd never steal people's material, but... You know, but of course there are times where I'm thinking, oh, I wish I thought of that joke. But it's, yeah, no, that is a no-no, number one. And, you know, it's such a tight-knit community. We all know. We all know each other's material. So no one gets away with that. Okay, give me one smart-ass line, if you know one, about New York today. I mean, we're all crapping about New York, how lousy it is. Do you have anything you could tell us about New York? Well, I do. The only thing I talk, I mean, talk about New York, these uh, sukkahs that are out in the middle of the street, that now the all these restaurants have taken up the parking spots because of COVID, and now they're continuing. Like, who eats in the middle of the street? <laughs> I am just waiting for a truck to come 
And people are going to be like, oh, is that brain not matter? Oh, no, it's ricotta cheese. It's ridiculous. No, I know, I know, I know. The other day I was eating out in the street, and instead of getting COVID, I was nearly hit by a bus. It's the same thing, and there are roaches and mice and all kinds of things. Oh, it's, I don't understand. We, when I go to the restaurant and they're like inside or out, like I, who wants to eat outside? <laughs> Cars and the people like stopping you, give me some bread, you know, no. Okay. Where are, are you, are you working anywhere near us in the next few weeks where we can see you or applaud oh, you or pee yes. on you or do something? Yes, please. I love getting peed. Um, I am at the Wall Street Theater uh, on June 2nd. That's in Norwalk, Connecticut with Jessica Kirsten. We're doing a show together, which uh, she's she's hilarious. And then uh, I am doing uh, in Montclair, New Jersey, uh, Pride, Montclair Pride on June 11th. But I am Provincetown. I work in Provincetown, Massachusetts all summer, so... But I'm doing shows around the, around the tri-state area as well. Listen, I love you, and I read about you in the New York Times, and I've been calling you, and I'm so glad to speak to you, and I think you're wonderful, honey. Oh, thank you, Cindy. Feelings are mutual. We'll see each other soon. Thank you, sweetie. Thanks, Judy. I hope so. You're Bye. welcome. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.